It's September and fall is upon us, which can mean only one thing. Pumpkin spice is rearing its basic head once again. To escape the onslaught, let's turn our attention to campfire coffee and how to enjoy front country quality coffee in the backcountry. Good morning and welcome to episode 8 of the Beans Talk Coffee podcast, where we believe your coffee has something to say. Learn how to listen and enjoy your coffee more each month with me as we taste our way around the world and build a better understanding of our daily brew right from home. It tastes better this way. I'm your host, Trevor Ogborn, and today we're drinking Indonesia Currency Honey from Cat and Cloud Coffee. As we do at the beginning of every episode, we're starting out by tasting this month's featured coffee because life happens after coffee and it's time to get started. I've brewed it in my new Oxo Barista Brain Home Drip Coffee Maker, a recent and favored addition to my coffee brewing arsenal, at a recommended ratio of 49 grams of coffee to 6 cups of water. Right off the bat, this is a much more acidic cup of coffee compared to some of the other recent features. It has a nice fruity fragrance and deliciously sweet brown sugary aroma. Besides a lively brightness on the tongue, this coffee is grounded by an expected earthiness that's typical of Indonesian coffee. Stick around and we'll talk a little bit more about that cat and cloud coffee and their Indonesia currency honey single origin after the lesson. Campfire coffee, cowboy coffee, call it what you will. There's just something iconic about a gritty scalding cup of coffee, particularly when waking up in nature. The thing is, camp coffee isn't usually associated with good coffee. It's either lauded for being so thick a spoon will stick up in it, or laughably thin and dubbed brown gargle, belly wash, or cricket piss. Shout out to Leanne for adding that last one to my coffee tasting lexicon. I'm here to tell you, on the precipice of a rafting trip on Westwater, that that doesn't have to be the case. Let's start with a bit of history for cowboy coffee, because it's almost as rich as the cup itself, dating back to the true wild west of the mid-1800s. Coffee was a favored drink long before this, thanks in no small part to the Boston Tea Party and the American rejection of a decidedly British ritual of tea drinking. By the time of cowboys, pioneers, homesteaders, and westward expansion, it had already established itself as a major drink for American survival and spirit. In an article by Ann Cooper Funderburg in True West magazine, she cites a few diary excerpts as testament to the drink's prevalence in the settling of the West. Josiah Gregg, a trader who made up to eight trips in the West in the 1830s, marveled at the pioneer's love of coffee. The insatiable appetite acquired by travelers upon the prairies is almost incredible, and the quantity of coffee drank is still more so, he wrote. It is an unfailing and apparently indispensable beverage served at every meal. Cavalry Lieutenant William H.C. Whiting wrote that coffee and tobacco were indispensable to frontiersmen. Give him coffee and tobacco, and he will endure every privation, suffer any hardship. Julia Breyer, one of the first people to cross Death Valley, said, Our coffee was a wonderful help, and had that given out, I know we should have died. Coffee at the time traveled with groups of pioneers and cowboys, or it was stored at homesteads, usually as green coffee, roasted fresh, albeit in a rudimentary fashion, over a campfire before brewing. Fast forward a bit to the 1860s when John Arbuckle famously invented a way to coat roasted coffee to preserve its flavor and began selling the first retail ready-to-brew pre-roasted coffee beans. The convenience and relative quality undoubtedly gave coffee an added boost, and it's here and now that I believe you can see the first wave coffee movement begin to take root. We talked about the waves in coffee in episode 3, so I encourage you to jump back to that episode if you want to learn more about the modern history of coffee through its waves. 
If you're caught up on that, you'll remember that third wave coffee comes about with the mass production and availability of, by today's standards, low quality, poorly produced coffee that comes into full maturity towards the end of World War II in the 1900s. Now that we've placed cowboy coffee a little bit in history, let's talk more about the technical side of it. There are a few variations of how to brew campfire, or sometimes cowboy coffee, and they almost always involve a large kettle, typically wrought with raw aluminum or dressed up in classically bespeckled enamel. If you don't know what I'm talking about, search for cowboy coffee kettle and you're sure to get a pretty good idea. Water is added to ground coffee inside the kettle and brought up to a rolling boil before being served, unfiltered. I'd personally lean towards a medium or medium-dark coffee blend with chocolatey or nutty notes to get an unoffensively balanced cup of coffee without too much acidity or overpowering bitterness on either end of the spectrum. In one such variation cited in The Lonesome Art of Cowboy Coffee by Anna Brones for Sprudge, the coffee is brewed extra strong and as it reaches a rolling boil is pulled off of the fire. Cold water gets added to the top to stop extraction, settle grounds, and bring it to a more suitable serving temperature. The brilliant thing about this method, however you really do it, is the simplicity of it. In the time it takes to boil water, you can prepare a couple gallons of coffee for a larger group, and when you're waking up with the sun after a night in a tent, trailer, or a converted van, you'd better bet it's going to taste just fine. Let's talk brew ratios. Under ideal circumstances, I will always advocate you measure by weight. I cover this in a previous episode as well, but the key takeaway is that different roasts have different volumes. So volumetric measurement of coffee is going to be unreliable. Back in the backcountry or on the riverside, though, I don't expect everyone to pull out their electric kitchen scale to start dosing up coffee for an entire group. With classic cowboy coffee, I'll defer to the experts. According to Kent Rollins, the cowboy and chuck wagon cook expert profiled in The Lonesome Art of Cowboy Coffee, the ticket is one and a half cups of coffee for a two-gallon kettle. Since it's a full immersion brewed coffee with the added agitation from active boiling churning it up, a coarse grind is going to be ideal. The coarse grind will also help that coffee settle out, as coffee fines tend to stay suspended longer and give you a sludgier cup of coffee if you're not filtering it. Accounting for water absorbed by the coffee grounds, I'd guesstimate this ratio to yield 14 to 16 12 ounce cups of coffee. You can scale this up or down according to the size of your kettle, the number of people you're serving, and the number of days you're in charge of group coffee. For extra style points, if you can afford the space, bring a serving carafe and a filter cone so you can actually filter the coffee from the kettle directly into the carafe before serving. This will decant the coffee and ensure your morning brew is silt free. In my opinion, this is probably the most efficient way to make coffee for a larger group, or a medium group of serious coffee guzzlers. Assuming you're car camping, overnight rafting, or otherwise have the space and weight to spare, of course. But supposing your trip and or responsibility isn't so ambitious, or you're packing lightweight for backpacking, you could level up with a couple different options. For groups of three or four people on the road or raft, you could get away with a large French press. If you're feeling extra fancy, add a maca pot and some milk to your kit for a poor man's campfire cappuccino. For smaller groups or backpacking, consider an AeroPress, or if you're only responsible for a couple cups of coffee and want to go ultralight, check out steeped coffee. The French press is great because it often comes in a variety of sizes, and you can pick up a plastic model for added durability. Since you're probably going to go for a strong cup of coffee to get the day started, I recommend playing around with a 1 to 12 ratio of medium dark coffee to water. That is, 1 gram of coffee for every 12 milliliters of water. 
The French press gets only slightly tricky when you realize you have to account for the space of the coffee in the glass, but for a fairly large 32 ounce model, you can plan to use roughly 55 to 65 grams of coffee and three and a half cups, 830 mils of water and get a few rich cups of full bodied coffee as a result. I would tend towards this route for two to four people, depending on how much coffee they're apt to enjoy. And if you really want to dial it in, you can measure out pre-portions in Ziploc baggies or something like that so that you dial in the perfect ratio for each morning or each preparation. The maca pot is a great upgrade for a special treat. These Italian stovetop espresso makers produce a strong cup of coffee, somewhere in the spectrum between true espresso and brewed coffee. A medium or medium dark espresso blend should give you great results. These can be brewed over a camp stove or campfire if you're attentive enough. While that's preparing, warm milk in a pan to around 150 degrees Fahrenheit, pour it into a French press, and plunge the filter up and down rapidly to agitate and introduce air into the warm milk. It should froth up and about double in size. You can serve the maca pot coffee in a mug and top it with that frothy milk to experience the luxury of the cafe right around the campfire. If you're saving space and only serving a couple of people, consider the AeroPress. These nifty coffee makers are fairly compact and lightweight, brewing a strong but well-filtered cup of coffee. There are plenty of resources and opinions for how to brew the best AeroPress coffee, but personally, I refer to AeroPressRecipe.com for some good opinions and options from enthusiasts and champions alike. I've largely been recommending medium and dark roast for most of the brew methods thus far, but an added benefit of the AeroPress is that it allows for a serious amount of control over your brew and can really highlight lighter roast coffees, if that's more your style and preference. So check out aeropressipe.com, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-C-I-P-E.com if you want to check out some options on that front. In episode 6, we featured coffee from Steeped Coffee, which has become a favorite campsite brew method for me if I'm just brewing individual servings. Depending slightly on your situation, it can make an excellent ultralight option because it doesn't require any equipment beyond a pot kettle, jet boil, or other means of heating water, and a mug. Otherwise, it's entirely self-contained. Plus, they have a small handful of different roast origin options, so you can cater to everyone you're brewing for. It's super compact, super easy, and super tasty. As a bonus, it's also compostable, so you don't have to worry or stress quite as much about the waste it produces. You can visit me at beanstalkpodcast.com where I'll post a blog with concise breakdowns for the pros and cons of each of these methods I've described and when to employ them in your campsite coffee making exploits. For now, it's time to talk a little bit more about Indonesia currency honey from Cat and Cloud Coffee. Cat and Cloud Coffee is a growing roasting and cafe operation based in Santa Cruz, California. And while I haven't had the pleasure of visiting them myself yet, I feel more connected to them than perhaps any other coffee roaster we've featured so far, in no small part due to their own podcast hosted by co-founder Chris Baca, and I'm regularly tuned in to that. I love these guys because they put so much focus on educating consumers and coffee professionals on our end of the coffee chain, while nurturing positive relationships with the farmers producing their coffee on the other end. Baca and the crew are regular sources of inspiration for my own aspirations with coffee, and I'm super happy to be enjoying their coffee on this show. Their Indonesia currency is a beautiful honey-processed coffee from Sumatra, one of the major growing regions of Indonesia. As a refresher on the honey process, the skin of the coffee cherry is peeled away, leaving some of the meat of the fruit around the seeds 
or the beans to dry. This usually imparts more sweetness and honey notes to the coffee, which has a huge impact on this particular medium light roast. Sumatran coffee is generally expected to be more earthy due to their lower growing elevation and local terroir, but because of the process and roast employed here, it comes through lively, sweet, and fruity. I tended to lean towards more jammy red fruit notes as I tasted it, though the published notes are tangerine and golden apple. It's pleasantly acidic without being overwhelmingly sour or bright. For me, it has a nice tea-like body to it. Not quite thin, but not quite chewy by any means either. Overall, I don't know if this would be a daily drinker for me, but it is definitely a nice treat, and I'll consider ordering it again, if it becomes available. And with that, I hope you're able to take today's lesson and carry it forward with you as you enjoy your coffee over the coming month. Remember, you don't have to settle for subpar coffee just because you woke up in a tent. Campfire and Cowboy Coffee has a rich history and a richer flavor, but there's also other options so you can cater to your group and become the coffee hero of the trip. Thanks for listening in to the Beanstalk Coffee Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your coffee just a little bit more today. If you have questions that you'd like me to answer, email me at bt at beanstalkpodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a roaster for me to reach out to, that's a great way to do that as well. You can find out more about upcoming featured coffees with links to purchase, how I'm brewing it, and other information about this project online at beanstalkpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for the Beanstalk Coffee newsletter to get updates and links right to your inbox. One of these days, I'm really going to get that process dialed. I promise. I hope you'll also connect with us on social media, and don't forget to subscribe whenever you get your podcasts. Until next week, sip, sip, share. Hey again, Trevor here. Join me later this month in the world's largest coffee tasting, hosted by 2007 World Barista Champion James Hoffman. He's put together an awesome kit through Square Mile Coffee that'll allow him to walk thousands of live viewers through a live cupping event on YouTube. I've already got my kit, it wasn't very expensive, and you can join in the fun too. I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes. Hope you can join along. Cheers!